Langley Event Center. Your move. Ryan Dimitri. Left wing behind the net. A hold on Hardy at the side. Dimitri scores! He's going to step on Schmeeb and Byron to win it scores! Kevin Connaughton, you've got company! Bowen Byron's fifth overtime winning goal of the season! Hello everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Giant Thoughts, the podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hocko. And I'm Ben Dooley. And we have a very exciting episode in for you guys today. Um... Before we forget to mention, uh, we had Matt Cassian on the podcast. We had him for about a, a 45-minute conversation. It was He's very well-spoken. You can see why he, he works for TSN in Edmonton. Um, yeah, how did it go for you, Ben? Enjoyed that? Yeah, it was a, it was a really, uh, really fun conversation. You know, we got to got to touch on everything from, you know, uh, what it's like being in the, in the NHL Hub City uh, over there in Edmonton. I got into his Giants career, touched on his time with the Blazers, and and got into a bit of his NHL career too. I think I think it's a really fun fun conversation, and uh, and nothing nothing really was off limits uh, in it. Yeah, and I I found from well, this is the second the second former player I've had on the podcast, but I found both times I've learned I've learned quite a bit of information that you can't find just by googling the person's name or the team's name. So. That's probably one of my my most favorite parts about this so far is just kind of getting those those behind the scenes stories. Yeah, Cassie and uh, you know uh, it's been you know almost twenty years since he was he was playing for the Giants, but uh, he he's got a, a memory on him uh, that he he still remembers uh, you know everything from from getting traded to to the Giants to you know going undrafted in the in the Bantam draft so. So he, he was able to get into a lot of it, a lot of his memories from uh, the, his time with the Giants, and and it was it was really good that we we were able to to get him on. Yeah, and coming coming into the interview, I heard from a few, few different people that even at 17, 18 years old, he was very well spoken, and they could kind of see maybe a media a media career for him. And I was I wasn't I wasn't let down because he he basically every. Every question we asked him, he gave us very well thought out, well worded answers. Um, it kind of made the interview easier for us, trying to kind of scratch and claw an answer out of the interviewee. Where they're they're more than willing to talk about things and elaborate. It's it's awesome. Yeah, we we told him uh, before the interview we we'd only go for you know twenty or thirty minutes with him, and we ended up uh, going for forty five. Uh, so uh, that was that was really good. Um, you know, every every question. Uh, he he gave us like three or four minute answers, so he he made made our lives definitely a lot easier. Yeah, it's always a good sign when you go over the the allotted time that you're gonna say. Yeah. Um. But how about how about you? What have you been doing for the last couple of weeks since our last episode? What what's been new with you? Uh, you know, it's it's uh things are starting to get back to normal a bit. Uh, you know, we we finally have sports, North American sports, uh, back on TV. You know, the the NBA is is uh up and running the mlb is is up and running for now anyway yeah that could be uh, different by the time this comes out <laughs> yeah um and uh the nhl is, is just kicking off uh 
off the, the Stanley Cup playoffs today. I, I got a chance to to see a few of the exhibition games, and, and I got to tell you, as as much as it's normalizing to to have hockey back, it's it's weird watching games without without fans in the stands. Yeah, it's super bizarre. It kind of reminds you of the minor hockey days when you can just hear everything that's going on the ice, every little stick tap, every word. Um, obviously, they have what is it, a five second delay, I guess, for to try to prevent all the swear words that are inevitably happening, but. Yeah, it's it's really weird seeing the calendar turning to August, and it's basically the start of the the extended season. It's just very bizarre times. Um, we already had a fight in like the first three or so minutes in the first game, on which is today is Saturday. I think the game one of the Rangers and the Canes. Um, so yeah, obviously the players are itching to get back, and they're not really showing any signs of of rust or anything. So it's it's great to have hockey back. Yeah, I mean normally at this point in the summer we we start to turn our focus to the to the WHL training camps, and yeah. and here we are talking about uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs still. So it's it's weird, uh, and it's it's gonna be uh, fun to watch it all play out. I think. Yeah, you never know what every year is gonna bring. Um, we wish junior hockey was kind of in this boat, but obviously that's that's not the case. So we'll have to we'll have to deal with the NHL, I guess. I guess that's a not a bad consolation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and even though the, the the WHL doesn't look like it's starting up anytime soon, we still uh, had a bit of of Giants news uh, come out uh, over the last couple of weeks. We we had a, a player sign, and uh, and uh, one of the one of the Giants uh, ended up cracking the NHL. Yeah, yeah, the Giants announced that they signed Marco Staka to a standard player agreement. Obviously, he was their their second selection in the this this past year's import draft. Uh, we touched on him a little bit last episode, how how if they were able to convince him to come overseas, that it's going to be a big signing for them. Um, it it kind of fills a bit of a hole in their de- their defense, of course, should Bowen Byram not return next year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a good signing. It's good to see that the Slovakian relationship is still strong with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a bit surprised to, to see him uh, signing so soon, I thought, you know, because he was... He looked like he was committed to play pro in Slovakia next year, so it was a bit interesting to see him, mm-hmm. you know, commit so early on uh, here. And it's, uh, I think it's a big, big win for the Giants uh, to get him to get him signed uh, uh, so soon because now you you can sort of uh, put a, a plan into place for for what the blue line uh, might look like when uh, when things start up again. Yeah, exactly. Like I said. Who knows if Byron's going to be back? You're, you're most likely losing Trevor Longo to the overage situation. Um, so that's two decent-sized holes that need to be filled right off the bat there. So, yeah, like we mentioned, getting him to commit, which is surprising this early, like you said, because there's lots of time in between now and whenever the season starts for him to decide. So for him to decide that early is a good sign. That must mean he's very eager to get here, and, and it's only good things ahead for him. Yeah, and I, I saw on Twitter uh, Victor Aliwal reported that uh, – Scott Bonner, uh, a familiar name in in these parts, is actually his agent, so I'm sure that that uh, that hurt. helped uh, move things along to to get him to to uh, to suit up in the black and red. Exactly, and now we're just waiting to see if if the Giants can kind of go maybe out of their comfort zone and get their their Swedish pick to sign in Fabian Lysel. Yeah, I haven't really heard anything yet on on him, but. Uh, but uh, you know, even getting one import uh, to sign 
in in the times that we're in, uh, has yeah. to be has to be seen as a win, I think. Exactly, because who knows if times get crazier, are imports even going to be allowed to come over and play? It's everything's still a huge, big question mark. So it's it's good to see it's good to see a commitment that early. Um, but yeah, for for roster news, anyways, that's basically the only news that we had in the last two weeks. Um, basically the other news that was, that was kind of out and about was Bowen Byram making the, the Avs, uh, postseason roster. Um, another thing we touched on last episode a bit, um, but now it's official. He's, he's with the team in Edmonton. It's just a matter of if, if the, if the cards kind of selfishly go right from him, maybe there's a couple injuries and he gets into a game or two. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised that, uh, you know he cracked the the roster because it's a mm-hmm. it's a bit of an expanded roster this year, so it's definitely yeah. not a a shot that they they brought him to Edmonton. Uh, but uh, you know it there certainly could be an opportunity that we we see him get into a game as at some point. Uh, you know Kale McCarr was held out of practice a, a couple of times. Uh, I I never actually heard what happened, but uh, you know he was on a unable to perform or whatever the heck they're, they're calling it Un, now unfit to participate <laughs> yeah un, unfit to participate uh so so who knows what what was going on there but uh you know it's all it takes is for for a couple guys to go down and uh, you know coming off being four months off uh you know guys could could be rusty and and things can happen and and maybe we do see Byram get into get into a few games here. Yeah, for our sake, I hope that happens because we can still talk about him because he's he's obviously an easy player to talk about. Um, there's no shortage of news or highlights for him. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he certainly is fun. Yeah, he's he's one of eight uh, giant alumni that are playing in the postseason right now. Um, there's him. There's Jordan Martinuk. He plays for the Carolina Hurricanes right now. There's Milan Lucic. He's obviously he's with um, Edmonton, no Calgary. Sorry. Um, there's obviously Byram. There's Kevin Connaughton, who's also on the Avalanche with Byram. Funny enough, Byram's broken a couple of his records in the last couple of years. So that's kind of I wonder if they ever talk about that with each other. Um, there's Tyler Benson with Edmonton. There's Brendan Minnell with Minnesota. There's Bre- and then there's Brendan Gallagher and Brett Kulak both on Montreal. Yeah, so the Giants have a, a pretty good group of of alumni playing in in the playoffs this year. All you know, pretty impact players uh, for their respective organizations. So it's a it's a certainly going to be a fun couple of months here for people uh, that are that are Giants fan looking looking for for some sort of connection to the team. Yeah, and then they're. If you want to get technical, there is a ninth alumni in Andrew Ladd. He he played one game with the Giants in 2001-2002 before obviously moving on to the Calgary Hitmen and having the career that he's had. Um, but yeah, it's awesome to see. Um, it's, it's kind of cool that t- that there's two pairs of players on the same team. It's kind of funny how the hockey world works out. Um, but yeah, it's cool to have that representation because, relatively speaking, the Giants aren't a very old organization. They're only... I think this is going to be their 19th season coming up, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, for a relatively not a very old um, franchise, they have a very good network of alumni um, through NHL, general or Europe, European professional hockey, AHL. So it's awesome to see, and it just makes it – it's kind of cool to be able to say you've seen these guys play before they made it to the NHL. Like guys like Tyler Benson, 
uh, Gallagher, even Kulak, and not so much Lucic. I I think I went to a couple Giants games, but yes, just seeing these guys play as juniors and just making their way up to the pro hockey ranks, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's uh, that's one of the the coolest things about uh, about uh, you know seeing the 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 WHL. Even a guy like Jordan Martinuk, you know, playing for the Giants as as an overager mm-hmm. and not not really knowing if if the NHL was was gonna pan out for him. So so it's exciting to see him him suiting up in a in a Hurricanes uniform. So uh, l- lots of storylines uh, for for Giants fans. Uh, in these playoffs, lots of players uh, to watch, and you know what? I'm just excited to to have some sort of yeah. uh, of sport uh, back on the TV because it was it was starting to get rough there for for a little while. Yeah, exactly. I've been surviving because I I'm a huge golf fan, so that's been kind of getting my fix this whole time. So that works for me, but I understand how big of a deal today is for for not just Canadians but hockey fans everywhere. It's something that for a little bit, look like it might might not have been happening anytime soon, but uh, the NHL has handled all this very well. And I was very pessimistic about the whole situation, even until recently. Um, I almost was kind of in a I'll believe it when I see it um, kind of mentality with it, and I'm seeing it, so it's it's awesome. I think I think yesterday it was it was reported there was about 1,500 tests done and no positive tests, so that's awesome. Yeah, they've they've done a, a really good job of you know bringing guys into the bubble and and not seeing uh, anything anything pop up. So that'll be the the key now is is to keep that bubble sealed and 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 uh, you know get through these this next uh, month or two uh, without any any positive tests. And I think the NHL has has probably done the the best job out of all the the four major uh, sports mm-hmm. leagues that have attempted to, to return the uh, the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, and MLS. I would say that, uh, you know, the NHL chose two really good locations uh, to do this, and, and the bubble seems to be seems to be pretty tight. So it uh, looks like the NHL is poised for success in, in a time where I, I was in the same boat as you, that I, I didn't think they could pull this off. Yeah. Yeah, and like the NBA has their bubble too, but you keep seeing about players that are breaking it to go to they're getting caught getting food delivery and stuff like that, just silly little little instances. But you haven't heard about that from the NHL yet. It seems like they got a a pretty good a pretty good um, leash on things, I guess. But if you look at all the pictures and the videos of the of the bubble, why would you ever want to leave? It looks like and it looks like an adult. It almost looks like a college campus without the schooling. Like there's ping pong tables, they're playing pickleball, they're playing soccer, basketball. It looks like they're literally living the dream almost more than they were before. At yeah. Least for the, at least for maybe the single guys, I can understand how it's tough on the other guys for they're being away from their kids and wives and all that. But for the most part, it's they're living fairly lavishly. Yeah, I, I heard from a, a guy uh, Blake Wheeler. Uh, he said, you know, he's the, the last four months have been the the most tiring of his of his <laughs> life is he actually had to be home with the kids. Uh, so so for some of these guys, it might even even be an escape for them and uh, to, to you know get back to doing doing the thing that they love. Exactly, it's almost like they're back in juniors a bit because when you're in juniors, you're just all you're doing is hanging out with the guys, whether it's at the rink or at the hotels or billets or whatever. And now that's exactly what they're kind of back doing. They're 
they're all spending basically every day, every minute of every day together. Um, so either you'll find out if teams like each other or if they got good chemistry really quick, I think, because there's not really escaping each other anymore. You can't just go home and kind of, kind of forget about it. You guys are all stuck together, but yeah, it looks, it looks like a, a dream place for a hockey player. If, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's certainly going to, going to be interesting to watch to see, you know, uh, how it all, all plays out. Uh, it's, it's, it's just so, so good to, to have it back. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here, but who's your Stanley Cup pick? You know what? I gotta go with the Avs. I think the Avs. Yeah, that you was know, my pick too. <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, you know back in March they were they were pretty injury plagued yeah. uh, heading into heading into the pause, yeah. and now that they've got a a full healthy lineup. I think that they they could be poised for success. And that's honest. Honestly, that's not even being biased with the whole Byron thing either. That's just they're that strong of a hockey team. They have a, a healthy Rantanen now. McKinnon's one of the best players in the world. He's actually my favorite player to watch in the league. Um, yeah, they got Kale McCarr, who's obviously a Calder finalist. It's that's it's an easy pick for me. I've noticed online there's a lot of people picking Avalanche too, like Thomas Grants from the Athletic. He's he's chosen them as well. Um, yeah, they're completely healthy and it's. It's freaking scary to think about to have to go th- cross paths with them now. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. Um, it depends on who you ask, I guess. For for Canucks fans, it's not nice, but it's kind of nice to see the the Avalanche kind of back on top because for such a long time there they were a powerhouse with with the Sackicks, the Borgs. Um, yeah, it's kind of nice that they got that a new leadership and a new kind of star power group with Rantanen and McKinnon and Landeskog. Yeah, and you know I've I've seen a lot of people talking about you know how this cup. Is gonna have an asterisk because it's supposedly easier to win the cup this year, and and I don't yeah. buy that for one second, Stephen. I think that this no. is this is gonna be one of the the toughest uh, Stanley Cups uh, to to win, and and whoever whoever lifts that trophy in in uh, early October will have will have definitely earned it. Yeah, like they still have to win 16 playoff games to win it. If everybody's on kind of basically the even playing field. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's rested. Nobody's all beat up going into playoffs or throughout the playoffs. So, yeah, if any year was to not deserve an asterisk, it's probably this year. Um, like when you think of the 2013 shortened season, you don't. When you see the Blackhawks have won the cup in 2013, you don't think that there was an asterisk behind it. They only played 48 games that season, but nobody ever bats an eye at that. So I don't see why this season would be any different. Yeah, and and you know it. One of you know if the Avs. End up winning winning this year, they will have had to to play an extra playing round, a five game series that under mm-hmm. normal circumstances they wouldn't have played. Exactly. So so I I don't I don't buy at all that uh, that there's some sort of asterisk um, associated with the, this year's cup because it's just gonna be it's gonna be such a grueling uh, you know two month two month yeah. ride that. Uh, that uh, yeah, I don't I don't buy the asterisk at all. No, that's just that's just sour people that know that the team's probably not gonna win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I wonder I wonder about that. It seems like a lot of a lot of those people are Canucks fans. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna get into it too much, but Canucks Twitter can be kind of a cesspool sometimes. It can be really good for positivity and funny funny memes and pictures, but more often than not, it can be quite the cesspool. But there's a, there are some like anything there are a lot of good people in it as well though. 
Yeah, and, and we kind of got into that a bit uh, it, with uh, with Cassian uh, on the podcast. Uh, so so you wanna wanna tune in to to hear what he he has to say about uh, about Vancouver media. Yeah, and we didn't really touch on it too much about his NHL career, but um, he's a veteran of almost 400 professional hockey games. He uh, he played 76 NHL games between Minnesota and Ottawa. Um, so it was a really big get for us to get a former NHLer on the pod. Um, it was a great interview. Like we said, he was very well-spoken and was very accommodating. Um, definitely somebody that I could see having on again to maybe talk about more in-depth about his NHL career because we mostly talked about his juniors and getting into the NHL and stuff like that. So I think now is a good time to to bring in the interview. And I just wanted to say thanks again to Matt. Um, we really appreciate it and enjoy. So after the last episode, uh, we put a call out on Twitter for uh, people to suggest uh, who they wanted to hear on our future episodes of the podcast. And uh, a fellow uh, by the name of at Scott French one on Twitter threw out the suggestion to get uh, Matt Cassian on the podcast. And we figured, you know, with uh, the NHL starting up in Edmonton, and as uh, many of you may know, Cassian uh, currently works for TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Uh, figured uh, might as well get uh, Cassian on the pod to talk about, uh, uh, you know, how things are going in Edmonton and getting to his career uh, uh, with the Giants. So uh, pleased to welcome uh, Matt to the pod. Yeah, really happy to be here, guys. It's uh, it's fun to see what you're doing and, and get this thing going. And yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that someone even remembered that I played in Vancouver, <laughs> but um, uh, apparently they did. So that's, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Us, uh, so yeah, just kind of, just kind of talk us through what it's like in Edmonton right now, being a hub city in the NHL. That's obviously kind of a big deal, one of two cities right now. Yeah, I think it was from a city standpoint, it was it felt like a big win, and I think in yeah, I know it, maybe you don't feel it quite as much out there in Vancouver, or the feeling is a little bit different. But Alberta's been hit pretty hard, both Edmonton and Calgary, just from an from an economic standpoint. And then from a COVID standpoint, you know, we haven't been hit as hard as other places, but you, you still mash the two together. And it was just was, I think, a pretty down time in the city. And so to actually be good enough for something, to have someone pick us, <laughs> uh, you know, you get, you get picked first for something instead of being the, the mandatory or the obligatory pick, I think was really good for the city and just for the morale of people. Um, doesn't really change, I guess, our day-to-day lives. It's, you know, some people have been calling it jail. It's hockey jail. Um, you know, fences up and a ton of security and no one's getting in or out of that, uh, that quarantine area. Uh, so it's not, it doesn't change that much for people here. Aside from that, you know, we know that it's here. Um, it will pump some money into the economy from businesses and hotels and, um, 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 food and people just getting the opportunity to continue to work maybe in the hospitality industry that was a little bit slow. So it's been um, been overall pretty pretty good, uh, I would say. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, watching hockey here and, and having the playoffs going again. I'm not sure exactly when this is going to air from the time we're recording this. So, uh, um, you know, uh, right now, as of right now, you know, nothing has been played. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just exciting that hockey is back. And um, you know, overall, I think it's a it's a good thing for the city. So um, too bad you guys in Vancouver didn't get it. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we'd like to think we're way cooler than you. And we know it's not true, but give us something here. So <laughs> well, I have the one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh 
uh, you could well you you uh, kind of do post game analysis uh, for TSN twelve sixty. So does does that get you access to the green crew, or what's the situation there? Yeah, it's a great question. So my my role with TSN, so I I do analysts, I do the pre and post game show, but I don't do I'm not a full time um, like I don't do radio full time. That's just my because I I love hockey and I love staying involved. Um, so I'm not quite uh, I, I would say full time enough that TSN would make the push. They they would have one of their guys in the area that's just a little bit more. Yeah, that's all that he does. Um, like a you know a Ryan Rashog here in Edmonton that does the TV and the radio, just because it's it, it was very difficult to get access even for media like it's it's a pretty small group um so i wasn't i don't think very high on their list um so i they didn't even ask me and and to be honest or and to be fair you know i you know i have three kids and one of them's eight weeks old so um uh, you know, I would have been put in, I guess, jail, the hockey jail if I would have been yep. in that media quarantine area. And then I would have came home after all is said and done. And then I would have been put in a very different type of jail um, that probably would have been a lot less fun um, <laughs> and maybe not worth it. So, uh, uh, you know, that I, I love doing the TSN. We'll continue to do that. Um, continue to do the pre and post game show here. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's just uh, that's not my full time real life role. That's just my uh, um, I love to do it and love to stay involved. So it's a great way to keep watching hockey and a great way to uh, to be a part of it still. And you mentioned it's kind of a busy, busy time for you. Congrats, by the way, on your Thank you. child. Um, do you ever see the TSN or media in general kind of being a full time gig for you at any point? I don't, I don't think so. For a little bit, it looked, it looked like it, it could have been, and certainly I thought about going down that route. Um, just like, just like being a professional athlete, being in the media, as you guys know, you know, stepping into this and being around the hockey ring, it can be, it can be a pretty tough go. Like it, it can be a grind. You're putting in a lot of time. You're putting in a lot of effort, um, and, and sometimes it, it, uh, you, you know, you get a really good return from it, and sometimes you maybe you don't, and you feel like you're just spinning your tires um and after my hockey career um where in hockey as an athlete you're so transient and you're moving everywhere and i think when i finished we had moved four times um in two and a half months like four full moves in two and a half months Uh, so i kind of looked at it and went okay for my family is this you know being involved in the media not that you're moving as much in the media but it's a little bit more um there's a lot there can be there can be a lot of uncertainty in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just looked at it and I went, you know what? I just as much as I would love this because I do love it, um, I don't know if this is going to be the right decision for my family. Um, and if I can stay involved, which is what I've been able to do in some fashion where it can be like a part time thing where I get to do it and I get to love doing it. And it, it doesn't, you know, when I do the radio now and media now, it doesn't feel like a job. Like it feels like something fun I get to do. Like I get to talk about hockey, I get to watch it, um, um, and so it just, it, it, you know, and I don't know. I just, it's not something that I think will manifest into something full time. Um, at least not right now at this point in my life. Um, you know, there's there's enough going on, and from a business standpoint that that I have going that um, that takes up uh, way too much of my time to let the media go full bore. So I know uh, full time for you, uh, you're your financial advisor uh, for Raymond James. Uh, it's kind of kind of interesting, you know. We see a lot of tough guys uh, who who were tough in the NHL. You know, they, they got more uh, uh, brain power than uh, s- some people will will give them credit for. 
I think so. Yeah, some some of us, not all of us, and maybe in in some in some ways and not others. So yeah, you know, I was uh, fortunate that um, you know, starting actually when I played in Vancouver and finishing high school, I'm you know jump right into doing uh, college courses. I chipped away at my commerce degree, and so I was able to. Um, I have I had a little bit left when my pro career finished, but just finished the end of my commerce degree, last little bit, and then just jumped right into the financial world. And um, so now myself and my partner, um, the gentleman that brought me over from a different firm, um, you know, our focus is on professional athletes. So we we are licensed and operate. So I operate throughout uh, North America, so in the U.S. and in Canada as well. Um, and uh, with uh, with a lot of players that I played against and uh, uh, some of them that we didn't like each other very much, but we get to work together now in a different way and laugh about some of the things that happened uh, when we were playing. And uh, so it's just another tie for me where, you know, I have the media tie still the hockey and then even through my my normal job. You know, most or all of what we do is with athletes anyways and, and all those NHL guys. So it's um, it's a lot of fun uh, still to be involved, although now it's almost like, uh, you know, you're, you're taking on like a little bit of a coaching role um, or like a, a dad role almost. You feel like a father figure in some ways, uh, at least to, to the younger guys that are just coming up. When you're building a team, when you're working with people, you want to be you want to be around good people, um, you know, having having athletes or being able to work with athletes that have a high level of character is, is very important. Um, you know, if I was a coach of a team or a GM of a team, I think it would, it would be the same mindset that you want, you want good people. Um, and you want to be working with those good people. And that's what, uh, um, you know, even if you don't have the level of success, maybe that you would like, you're going to enjoy what success you have a lot more. So we brought you on here to talk about your time with the Giants. So let's get into that a bit. Uh, so you you joined the Giants as a 17-year-old, uh, undrafted. Uh, how did you how did you get uh, discovered by the Giants? Yeah, um, well, I was in Edmonton um, playing in Sherwood Park, and uh, the Bonners have quite a strong connection here. So um, Scott was the GM, Craig was the assistant coach. And, uh, and and Terry Bonner, who who is a wonderful man, I haven't seen him a little bit here in Edmonton, but he he was one of the scouts for the Giants, and he uh, I think had scouted me, and I had started at that point. I was a late bloomer from a just a, an athletic development standpoint. I uh, started to have some conversations with uh, some agents around here because I started to pick up some steam and momentum just in terms of what I was doing at the at the minor hockey league level. Um, and people started to notice and teams started to notice. So wasn't drafted, uh, but then started to develop after that, really. And uh, I think it was it was probably from Terry watching and um, taking an interest that they started following and then eventually um, yeah, stepped in and did the whole listed thing and then uh, was able to uh, uh, just scratch my scratch and claw my way into the uh, into the roster. I've read back on a few stories from your Giants days, and it said you were almost ready to quit hockey after not being drafted. Is that correct? It would have been so. Um, uh, it wouldn't have been after not being drafted. I wasn't ready to quit after not being drafted. It would have okay. been previous to that. So there was a couple okay. years. Again, I, I said I was a, I was a late bloomer, and my parents weren't a part of, uh, and, I, and I'm sure it's out there in BC as well of the uh, the hockey politics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for most of when I was really little, I was um, I was just playing like the the house league where they just 
you get assigned to a team and you just go and play. And it took me probably two to three years of begging my parents to let me try out for a rep team um, because I knew I knew that I was good enough to make it and I was good enough to play um, based on the kids that were my friends that were playing and just just other people around. Uh, so I finally convinced them to and then went out for the teams and then uh, and then got cut. And I was the last cut that first year I tried out. And I remember it being for um, a player that I knew he was not even not even close, but his parents had been involved in Sherwood Park minor hockey for a long time. So I just got cut for, for a kid to that. Um, and then at that point, because I played football too, and I was actually really good at football. I had a lot, I had, uh, you know, a couple of CFL I had a CFL, ex-CFL um, uh, player as, as a coach, and he told me to quit hockey and play football because I was <laughs> I was mean. I was a mean football player, and I loved it. Just you played defense and absolutely crushed kids. Um, but playing football, I actually fractured my tibia. And so I had this fracture, and I had finished the tryouts. Um, but then when I got cut from the team, I was like, well, I mean, I might as well take some time off now and actually heal because, or my parents decided that for me more than anything because I had a fractured tibia and it needed to heal. Um, so I didn't go to the rest of the camp. Um, and then they put me in like the bottom division of the house league because I wasn't in camp. They just threw me in the bottom. Um, so I think I was scoring like five or six or seven goals a game um, at that point. And it just, it wasn't fun because it was too easy. Um, you know, they sent people out to see if they would adjust me and put me in a different at a different level and they didn't they kept me exactly where i was and it was just absolutely horrendous like i was incredibly frustrated mm -hmm. um and so i thought i thought like you know what maybe this is it maybe i'm done um and then i decided to take one more crack at it um then did the rep thing again and then i made the highest level the next year which i mean i kind of was like this is stupid like yeah. the way this stuff works and it's still <laughs> stupid guys it's still okay. stupid the way stuff works um it, with the politics uh, but uh, was able to make it down and then never really look back um uh, you know i had a couple of hiccups there along the way but um yeah so it wasn't it wasn't the not being drafted that bothered me even even when that happened when i looked at it in the back of my mind i think i always knew i was like you know what that doesn't matter i, I knew that i was going to be good enough um, there was a lot of people I think that didn't think so, or I know there's a lot of people that didn't think so, but somewhere inside of me, I just, I just always knew I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and, uh, I'm going to get an opportunity. I'm going to work my butt off for it. And, and that's really what, what happened. So when you, you joined the Giants, they were in their, just their third year of existence. So you're kind of going out on a new adventure with a team that is still, you know, in their infancy what was what was that sort of thing like for you you know what it was it was a lot of fun because i was there at camp the year before um so it was my first camp and funny enough i didn't realize you know being uh getting it as a 16 year old and that would have been 15 at the time of camp just based on when my birthday was so i was 15 heading into camp and um I didn't realize that I wasn't allowed to wear a half shield because I'm like, well, I mean, everyone else wears a half shield. It's older, the place for the team. So I'm going to wear a half shield too. So I didn't even bring a cage to camp. And somehow it probably was against the rules at the time, but somehow like I, it was, they let me do it. Like, I think I had to convince them that this was okay. And uh, I don't know if they made my mom sign something, but you know, had the, you know, the, um, they played through camp. They wanted me to play exhibition games. We had, we had said no, because at that time, um, the reality of, well, I may have a chance to get a scholarship to an NCAA school became a reality. And so for my mom, she was like, well, no way this year, if you're not going to play here full time, we're not, you're not playing an exhibition game. 
we're going to take some time to make that decision. Um, from an organizational standpoint, um, it was, you know, they, they did a very good job. And I think the Giants did that for the first number of years, and, they, and they've done it um, and since in a lot of ways, where they, they did a pretty good job of being an expansion team and being a new team and creating an environment, I think, that eventually led them to success. Um, you know, I think Ron Toygo was um, very open with trying to pump in what he needed to into the team to, to bring it to a level where it needed to be. Um, from a player standpoint, that first camp at 15 was a, was a little bit of a gong show, I remember it being. Um, uh, I think, you know, seeing this is my first time really, you know, it had been in fights before in minor hockey, but seeing like real good fights. Um, and there was one I'll never forget, uh, you know, Tristan Grant fighting Robin Big Snake and then Tristan Grant throwing, you know, throwing his elbow pad across at him and, and you know, me just kind of being like, what is going on right now? Is this 15 year old yeah. kid playing in these inner squad games? Um, and the next year I was that big idiot running around too. So, uh, yeah, it was, um. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I have some pretty fond memories, even from just those camps. Um, you know, getting the first. So it was the, my parents never let me um, have like a one piece stick. So it was like my first time getting a one piece stick, um, and I actually broke it when I was trying to like set it up. So uh, that was <laughs> fun going to Toledo uh, at that time and uh, having him roll his eyes at me, and <laughs> I don't think he was very happy because they were really expensive. They're still really expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was um, it was a really great experience out in Lanark at the time. Um, again, one that I I look back at it and I go, you know what, that was there was a lot of fun. I have a, a ton of really really pleasant memories about that time and about the way the organization treated us then too. I kind of wanted to touch on this before we got too far into the giant stuff. Um, you mentioned how the NCAA was a possibility. Um, how serious of a possibility was that for you to, or is it more just to, like to not play those exhibition games that year was that more just to save your eligibility or was it because NCAA was a serious consideration? It was a serious so. consideration. Yeah. Um, so I was really good. Still am. Like from a student standpoint, uh, very good academically. And, um, so it was very very real. Now I was still at the age when um, NCAA teams couldn't officially contact me to make offers or anything mm. um, of that nature. Uh, but I had you know was getting all kinds of uh, packages and and um, information from schools they started sending me a ton of them um cornell being the one where they sent they sent a whole bunch and um had some it probably was slightly offside from the rules in terms of they they had some contact with us mm-hmm. um which when you when you look at it too from a even the way that i played hockey and played the game you know cornell especially then they had a very big physical you know angry style team which is how i played and um, so it, it was a very real possibility. And, um, you know, I, I've always wondered, like, what would have happened if it would have went that way from a development standpoint, probably would have had a little bit more time um, developing, would have had a lot more practice time, which could have which could have helped me in some ways. Um, that being said, I don't think there's a wrong way to, to do it. Um, between the WHL and the NCAA, if you're good enough, you're going to get a chance. And you really have to take a look and say, okay, well, what type of player am I? Where am I going to have the best opportunity? And um, for a lot of kids, that ends up being the WHL. And, and for me, ultimately, the decision that we made was that it was going to be the best way to have a professional opportunity. And um, I mean, I sitting here, I can't, I can't complain about it. But yeah, we were we were close to making that decision. I I think I had my heart set on the WHL. My mom probably had her heart set on the NCAA, like getting that education. Um, 
but fortunately, although it took me uh, probably about eight years longer than she would have liked, I did eventually get my degree. So. <laughs> Uh, I just have a quick follow-up to that. Were the WHL education packages as good then as they are now, or was there any? <laughs> they, they still were. So we had worked in, um, like, with my, because I know they're allowed to do this. Like, when I when I signed, like, the second I played my first WHL game, I got my first two years of college eligibility covered because okay. it was like, okay, well, if we're going to give up, um, if we're going to give up the NCAA uh, eligibility, then we need something else to in case professional hockey doesn't work out we want to have that school so the the packages were still good it was one thing i will say that i think a lot of whl players don't take advantage of was that they were willing to pay even when you're done high school so when i was in vancouver and then in kamloops um, i was able to continue to take college courses and they would pay for it while i was doing it um, so that was something that we took advantage of um, you know I, and I know there's a lot going, and I'm not going to be political and take a side here. It, it was, um, you know, the packages were were great. I I know just through my own experience and seeing other people go through it that um, one of the challenges I know that people have with the WHL is that those packages don't stay. So it's like you have a very limited time, especially if you're trying to make it in pro hockey to to retain. Um, um, and, and, you know, right or wrong, and, and I understand it becomes a huge financial obligation for the WHL, which is, or the CHL in general, which is really hard for them to make because it's not, you know, a massive, you know, it's not the NHL in terms of money it generates. But, um, you know, it, it, um, it, it was, a, I think, a, a, a negative towards the education package afterwards, but while everything was going on, and for players that don't go pro, it is it is a good package to be able to, you know, try to do it. And even more so for players, maybe that education isn't their thing, let's call it, where you have the ability to go do trade school, which I encourage players to do. Um, you have the ability to go do other things that aren't just your typical um, you know, college degree. You can, you can learn a skilled trade and, and do quite a variety of different things that um, can really benefit you and, and move you ahead from a from a life standpoint post career. So earlier you were talking about uh, you know going into your first camp and seeing Tristan Grant uh, you know throw the elbow pad. I I understand that he's one of those guys that uh, kind of took you under under his wing uh, during your time with the Giants. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the Nippon nightmare. I learned a lot from him. Um, you know, he he was a he was a tough player, um, but he actually balanced it well. And you you if you guys remember watching him, like he could he could play the game too. Uh, he could play the game too. And I remember um, one of the things that I think I learned from him was there's an element of showmanship to what he did, and that was something that I don't think was innate that I had in in me. Um, I had something that I had to work on. Uh, because you have to turn it into a little bit of a show at times, and um, not just for the fans, but for your for your teammates and for the other team, where you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to use your physicality, whether it be fighting or hitting or what you're saying, you're trying to use it for something. Um, you know, he was he did a really good job of being able to um, bring a theatric theatricality is that the word to it to what we'll he was doing? And, yeah, learn that, and then just from a fighting standpoint too. You know, being a young kid. Um, you know, I was naturally very gifted at it. Um, he was a little bit more technical, especially early on. So I was able to learn quite a bit from him. And yeah, I know we had uh, had a lot of laughs together. And I don't think we actually ever got into it. Although we played some pro against each other when he was in uh, he was in Milwaukee in the AHL and I was in Houston. I don't think uh, I don't think we ever scrapped, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sure there was a few a few chances back in the WHL after your trade. Um, just kind of talk talk on the trade a little bit. Uh, was it kind of surprising? Um, a lot of players these days they kind of were asking for a trade. Was that was that your case or was it? Yeah, I was not. We knew the Memorial Cup was coming to Vancouver. I loved it there and I love my teammates um, yeah. and love the organization. So I definitely was not. <laughs> yeah. I was not asking for it. That's um, what I figured. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because it happened on uh, on trade deadline day um, in the in the morning. So uh, it was. Uh, um, I can't remember because I think it was on a weekend because I just remember being in the morning. Or, or it may have been, maybe it was just, it, it was in the afternoon or maybe it could have been in the evening. I believe it, I thought it was in the morning. I don't remember what time it was um, or if it was before or after practice, but I do remember, you know, being at the rink. Uh, so that was when the practice facility was in Ladner. Um, still is. It, okay. It still is. Yep. I didn't know if the yep. practice facility was still out there. Uh, yep. So we were there at the practice facility and get called into the coach's office and step into the coach's office, um, not really thinking anything of it. And it was, you know, uh, uh, Scott Bonner, um, uh, it was uh, Don Hay, it was the entire coaching staff, it was the entire training staff. Like it was, it wasn't just one, it was everybody mm -hmm. was in there. And I was just like, uh oh, <laughs> so, this is not normal. Like this is not a, nor not a normal meeting with Don. Um, and yeah, then they told me I got, I got traded. And uh, so it came as a huge shock, and I found out later talking, uh, you know, still am quite close with Toledo, so Colin Robinson, um, you know, he later, because he eventually transitioned to Kamloops where I was, and so we, we talked about it. Um, so I later found out that the entire staff took a vote because they didn't know if they were going to do it or if they should do it. Um, so they voted as a staff um, on whether to make that trade or not, you know, the, the trade for Cam Cunning, who at the time was uh, Kamloops' leading scorer. So he was their best forward at the time. He was their leading scorer. Um, and uh, so they took a staff vote between all of them whether or not to do it. Um, and Toledo actually told me, so whether or not this is uh, completely accurate, this is just what I recall him telling me, was that he ended up being the deciding vote, like it was a vote by one, um, mm -hmm. and that he said to make the trade because um, he felt that with Dawn that I wasn't playing enough, like I was from a, from an ice time standpoint, I was playing a lot of penalty kill, wasn't playing a ton of five on five minutes. And he thought going to Kamloops, whereas it was a, a you know worst team in Vancouver, that I was going to have more opportunity to play and develop and, and eventually turn pro. So, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, um, interesting to be traded inside the division. Uh, just four hours down the road. Uh, you know, fortunately, there were some people I knew, like Kevin Heyman was in Kamloops already, who we had, you know, we had driven every day to school together um, my first year in Vancouver. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a transition. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say from a side that it was, uh, you know, you kind of up, uh, upheave your life, pack everything mm -hmm. in a car and, and go. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was strange, to say the least. So uh, playing for Kamloops then, uh, you got to play against a lot of your, your old teammates uh, and be a part of that rivalry. And then you, you you obviously saw the Giants, you know, go on to win that, that Memorial Cup. And that wasn't wasn't something you, you got to be a part of, uh, nope. I guess. No, it did not. And I hated that. Um, you know, that was, it was uh, not that I didn't enjoy my time in Kamloops, not that I didn't enjoy my teammates or enjoy the city. It was, a, it, you know, it was great, but, um, but you missed that, right? I mean, who doesn't want to win a championship? Who doesn't want to win a Memorial Cup or a Stanley Cup? Like you just, you, you as an athlete, you want to win. And so to see your friends go out and do it, it was, 
it was hard. Um, and then there was a bunch of idiots that, you know, end, ended up on that team and you're like, well, why are those idiots? Not, they're not actually idiots. That's what you're thinking. Like, why are yeah. these idiots getting this yeah. opportunity? Like that Slade kid and, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, man, yeah, it was, so it was, it was hard. I, I didn't watch a lot of the Memorial cup because it just ate at me. Um, I wanted to be there and still very happy, you know, still good friends with like Mark Fistrick, for example, who's out here in Edmonton. Um, and so happy for the guys that had the opportunity to be able to, um, to play and to go do these things. But yeah, it, um, it sucked a little bit or yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find that you kind of played your best hockey against them though? Just trying to kind of make them prove, prove them wrong and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question. Um, I certainly played some of my angriest hockey yeah. maybe. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if it was necessarily the, the, my best. Um, it always felt weird. I don't know if like going back to the PNC, I don't know if I like as a visitor, it always felt odd to me. Um, so we had a bunch of games there. I don't think if I'm if I'm trying to recall that I felt like those were uh, my best games that I played. Um, I think I played better against Vancouver in Kamloops than in in that building. Um I don't know. It was just, I think, something about being back there that was, and being on the visitor's side, it was just, it was just a little, a little off. Um, and it shouldn't have been. Uh, maybe that's just me being a little bit of a basket case. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I had my best games there. Uh, I was reading, uh, you know, talking about uh, Tristan Glanter. You know, when you when you made your first trip back to Vancouver, uh, there, there was a lot of fan, uh, you know, wanting you and Grant to kind of go at it and uh, you guys didn't didn't really want to you know drop the gloves in, in that uh, first clip back to Vancouver yeah well I don't I mean I don't know if it would have been me or would have been him um I, I don't know I think for both of us it it always was it I don't think it had anything to do with either of us being like oh we don't we don't want to or we're friends so we can't um, it probably was more just situational. It wasn't like, well, and, and it always, well, I shouldn't say always, it typically was that way for me from a career standpoint where it's like, well, we weren't just going to go out and fight just to fight. Like if something happened, then I'm sure it would have happened. And I think in that first game, there just, there wasn't anything that required it. Um, so it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it yeah, I'm trying to remember what exactly that first. I just remember the just the weird feeling of being on the other side and stepping onto the ice through the visitor side versus uh, versus the uh, the home side. Let's kind of talk about the the NHL draft now. Um, obviously, you were selected in the second round in 2005. Um, as the season kind of went on, did you have an idea that you'd be a second round pick, or did you kind of have like I'm not sure how the how it was for kind of looking yourself up back then. Yeah. Did you have an idea where you'd be going in the draft throughout that season? Yeah, I thought based on the, the – because you do, like, interviews and you meet the scouts and meet the teams and, you know, they do their whatever, like, their conversations with you and your family and they're coming over and you're going out for dinner, whatever the case may be. Um, so we felt the strongest interest – Heading into the draft, or I felt was between, and just from the, my agent, Jerry Johansson, and the conversations that he had had, um, the, the strongest interest was from Minnesota and from Calgary, were the two strongest teams. Um, and so when we looked at the draft and where I was ranked, because I went much higher than I was ranked. I was ranked like 104th, I think, heading into it from a skater standpoint. Yeah. 103, okay, yeah. so I was close. Um, so, you know, rated really to go like fourth round-ish. 
Um, you know, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. So I expected that I was going to go, I thought maybe in the third round with Calgary, just from a pick standpoint, I was like, okay, well maybe a, a late third round or, or I, I can try to remember exactly where that third round pick was with Calgary um, or Minnesota. Um, and I think what happened was uh, Minnesota thought that um, Calgary was going to get an opportunity to take me beforehand. Um, so if they didn't take me with the second round pick, I wouldn't be there you know, third, third or fourth rounds. I think I'm fairly certain that's what happened, which moved me up in the draft list. Um, uh, so that was, yeah, that was where I got drafted, probably a little higher than, um, um, than I should have just from a, from a pure, like where I was at at that point, you know, probably should have been a third or fourth round pick, but Hey, I'm, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. <laughs> certainly wasn't going to complain then, you know, yeah. for, for as many people write about how, you know, it was, uh, you know, a horrible second round pick. And maybe it was, maybe I was, I don't really care. It was like, well, you know, I was a second round pick and I had an opportunity to play in the NHL and that's more than some second round picks ever get and more than most people ever get. So I'm pretty, exactly. pretty fortunate and pretty thankful for the opportunity. And I just have a follow up about the draft. That that was the draft that, that was from the lockout season, right? So it wasn't yeah. actually, were you, were you in town for that draft? Cause that was in like a banquet hall or something. Yeah. It? They, they only took like the, the top 18 ranked or top 20 ranked players, something like oh, that. Like it wasn't very, it wasn't very many like guys that were expected to go in the first half of the first round got to go. Okay. Um, and beyond that, no one else was allowed to go. Like it was just the teams that went. Um, so, you know, that was something for me that was sad because I missed out on the chance mm-hmm. to go to the draft and to go through that and have that whole experience. Um, you know, only the first round was broadcast on TV. Mm-hmm. So after that, it became hitting the refresh button yeah. on the internet every, every 10 seconds, right? We're just sitting there yeah. clicking, click, click, exactly. click, click, click. Um, uh, but I still got to experience it with my family and it was still, uh, it was a surreal feeling. Um, a pretty, pretty cool day, even though it wasn't the same as being there in person to experience it. It was, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of fun and, uh, uh, it's something that not a lot of people get to experience and I'm pretty fortunate and grateful that I, that I got to. Uh, so coming up, uh, through the system in, in Minnesota, who are some of the guys that, uh, you know, you really learned from, uh, coming up in, in that system? Um, well, inside the system, um, you know, in Minnesota at the time, Derek Bugard was there. Um, and I think I was on the ice with him, you know, in, in like the four camps or so that five camps that I was there when he was there. Um, and when I was the Myers, I think I was on the ice with him once. Um, and we were on the same team for a game. It wasn't even a practice. And I think <laughs> they, they did that because they knew that the first thing that, that I would have done yeah. would have been, you know, like. <laughs> would have tried to prove myself. And um, he probably knew that. Well, he definitely knew that. And so they intentionally kept us apart. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, Jacques Lemaire had a no fight rule. Minnesota had a no fight rule in camp, but yeah. I mean, come on, like, what are they going to like, what are they, what are they gonna do? Not even a tense. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do? Oh. Are they going to, they yeah. going to send you home? Like, because yeah, you broke enough. the no fight rule in camp, like they're, they're not going to, you're going to get a slap on the wrist. So whatever, they kept us apart. Um, in, in inside, you know, I don't think on a team from a, from a, you know, from a physical side of the game standpoint, I don't think there was really anyone. Um, you know, we had a pretty young team heading into Houston. Um, there were some there were some good players there. Um, I don't know if that I, I could say that there was anyone just because I kind of did what I did myself, and there wasn't anyone there that was sitting there to to teach me that. You know, from a from a physical and learning that side of the game, it was more from um, 
learning myself just doing it um, but even then in summer so i would say more more influential would have been back here in edmonton in the summers where i was training with um we call it we probably had at the time the the toughest gym in north america we called it um uh, so there was a, we had quite a few heavyweights in one gym and so all of us were were learning and learning a lot together so it was like uh, myself george larock uh, zach stortini a guy by the name of drew bagnell um, kevin westgarth was there uh, myself and uh, um, uh, uh, who else did we have at the gym? Uh, like it was a, we had a bunch of meatheads really. And so we learned a lot from those guys from that standpoint. And um, maybe learned a lot from everybody, um, you know, from a dressing room standpoint, Mukokoivu was always um, from a, from a, or from a leadership, a dressing room and leadership standpoint, I learned a lot from him just observing and watching and listening. Um, Andrew, Andrew Burnett would have been another one. Um, where you know i really respect um how they carried themselves how they handled themselves and matt cullen would maybe be a third um, as well just from a uh, a leadership and character of an individual standpoint so um, those three were i think influential and and they probably don't even know that it was more just for me observing than anything or them formally sitting me down and trying to teach me something I don't quite remember the year that he went to New York, but did you, you, you must have played with Marion Gabrick, right? Yep. Yeah, played with is, Gabby. Is he kind of, is he as insane as he looks on TV? And what do you mean by insane? Like, let's, like we got let's get well, it tangible here. Like, um, just his speed, basically his skill. Was, oh yeah. He was ridiculous when he was healthy. He was ridiculous when he was healthy, like, cause he struggled with a lot of injuries, but yeah, he could, he could fly. Um, it would have been interesting. I actually had this conversation with someone else not too long ago. Like what would Gabrick have been able to do um, if he would have had more of a support system or complementary system around him? Um, because what, what he did, even like with Jacques Lemaire, with a, a offensive offensively stifling system like very defensive minded very much like don't go be creative don't don't do anything crazy off the rush um, and he still managed to produce a ton of points um, so it would have been really interesting to see like how he would have in minnesota in particular uh, in, let's say in the prime of his career been able to generate offense because he was he could fly um you know if he was a, a young player stepping into the game today he would be he'd be a huge huge asset as well because um the the way that he played is almost more tailored to the the modern style than than it was 10 to 12 years ago so uh, we don't want to take up too much more of your time here as uh matt but i want to get some some fun questions some uh fan questions in here too uh so uh back when uh zach cassian uh played out here in vancouver uh, a lot of the fans wanted to nickname him the cassassin uh, but uh, understand oh, that you don't hear. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, you've got the nickname trademark. Oh man. So this this is funny because um, it got completely blown out of proportion. So as media is want to do, which I am now of a part of, we we take something, we turn it into a story, and then all of a sudden people take it and they turn it into beyond that. So um, we had reached out and we had asked, um, and it wasn't the fans. We had asked the newspaper to not. Um, um, use it because what we were doing is inside of Ottawa and it never materialized the way we had hoped, but we were using it from a charitable standpoint. So we're working with some organizations to um, launch some charitable initiatives and we were using that and we're like, okay, well, you have another player and if they're using this and writing articles, it could create some confusion and then people are doing this and we wanted to keep it. We we're like, okay, well, if we're going to use this 
um, and do it with charities in the Ottawa region. Well, like, let's just ask if they mind not using us. Um, like, you, you can't, you're not going to stop what people say, but we're like, okay, from the actual paper, like, you should be reasonable people. Like, maybe they do this. And then they didn't. And then the, the response from them was such, um, it was, and we asked them nicely, kindly, being like, hey, like, would you mind not using this? We're doing some charitable stuff uh, from an organization standpoint. Um, would you mind not using this anymore? And the, the response back was, um, um, laced with vitriol to say the least was basically, basically is like, well, no, you're an idiot where we, we can say whatever we want because it's free speech essentially. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter because it's newspaper. So it doesn't matter if you have a trademark, we're going to use it anyways. We really like it. We're going to use it anyways. And so we were just kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're like okay well we could we could get like lawyers to look at that like if you're using this we're trying to use it and then we just we kind of dropped it after that but then they then they decided that oh this would make a great story because he asked us not to use it and and then it just kind of turned into something else altogether and um yeah it was it was kind of it's one of those things where you kind of go like these people <laughs> and what they're trying to do to create any kind of controversy just for the sake of creating controversy. So it was, it was what it was. I mean, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just, it was such a small thing. And then they escalated just from an anger standpoint that like, how dare we ask them not yeah. to use it um, with the whole point of being like, we're going to use this with charities. We're working with you know, capital city condors is a, a charity out in, and in Edmonton, in Ontario, and, and a few others. So it was, yeah, it is what it is. The but Canadian markets for you. There's the Canadian <laughs> markets for you. Yeah. And so I had, you know, kind of had a, uh, um, you know, that I think that Vancouver market had a hate on for me ever since then, um, <laughs> where they really didn't, they didn't like me. And there's probably a lot of people out there that still would run with that, but whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was. Um, you look back at it, it's pretty, it's pretty funny now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we have three fan questions for you. Um, I guess if you wouldn't mind just ending off with that. Um, Absolutely. The first one's from Ryan Sinclair. Uh, he said, Matt played a heavy game in junior and dropped the gloves a lot. Does he feel that part of the game, part of that game is being phased out of the WHL and the CHL? Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. Um, you know, back when I played, it was almost like the the rule was, you know, up three, down three, you're going to start a line brawl, like you're going to do something. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, my first first game, first shift in the league, I think it was my first game, first shift in the league. You know, I ended up fighting Jason Goulet from Prince George, who was like a 6'6", 20-year-old at the time. I um, mean, I was still 16. Um, yeah, it's a it's a different game now, and and I'm not I'm not even going to comment on if it's better or worse, but I think they're intentionally trying to phase it out, and um, they certainly the, the focus is less on playing a heavy physical game and, and more on playing a skill game, and there's there's going to be positives and negatives to both. Like you know, having a focus that doesn't have that, I think, leads to let's call it policing issues, different types of injuries. Um, uh, people running around, people not playing as safe, I think, actually. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but then, you you know, of course, you don't have the fights and the injuries that come with that. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely trying to phase it out. It, we knew, I think, a number of years ago that it was going that direction. Um, I just wasn't um, able to make myself any a, you know, a better skater to overcome the, the direction <laughs> we saw the game going. Uh, Jordan Bremner wants to know... Uh, where was your favorite place to play in junior, and why was it Kamloops? And why was it Kamloops? <laughs> yeah, um, 
You know what? He's from Kamloops. He's from Kamloops. No, I (laughs) did. I like between. Is he asking maybe between Vancouver and Kamloops? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know if he meant like just the specific rink. Um, I mean, I uh, from a rink standpoint, I love playing in. Well, we always had bad games there, but um, playing in Red Deer just because friends and family would Mm -hmm. always be there. So for me, that was the most fun rink to play in um, when I'd get to go. you know what? It's really hard for me to pick between the two because there was a lot of great memories in in both. Um, yeah, uh, you know what? Kamloops. My first year in Kamloops, I would say was was probably on par with my time in Vancouver, where they're both, you know, from an organization standpoint, was was healthy and in a good spot. From a team standpoint, was a lot of great guys in the team, and from a team success standpoint, we were able to have a lot of success as a team. Like if I was going to say okay, where did I have more fun? It was, it was pretty equal between the two. So I can't really, and I know that's me fence straddling and uh, <laughs> maybe upsetting some people between the two, but then, you know, that last year in Kamloops or the last little bit, we just, it turned into a gong show internally and um, it wasn't very healthy from an organizational standpoint. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of issues. We were a mess guys. We could spend a whole nother episode talking about that. <laughs> um, um, but I will say, I will say, um, my fondest memories from junior my you know I, I i would put them as both being favorite but my fondest memories from junior probably would have been that first year in vancouver um and just some of the relationships that were formed with people that i'm still friends with today um that would have been uh, that would have been probably my my best memories would have been from that time and then the last one here is from duker's in there he has two parts he's asking what's the highlight what was the highlight of your nhl career and your favorite player growing up yeah um highlight of my nhl career uh, my favorite time so the most fun i ever had playing hockey would have been 2013 with ottawa in the playoffs when we when we knocked off montreal Mm -hmm. um winning a a playoff series in canada as a canadian team was it was incredible um you know a lot of fun Uh, it was only the second time ever in that series that i tried to choke somebody unconscious on the ice (laughs) Um, so that was great. The first time was actually Dustin Slade uh, playing as a Cantaloupe yeah. Blazer against the Vancouver Giants. I tried to <laughs> try to choke him out with my bare hands once. Didn't yeah. work. Um, but yeah, that playoff series was a, it was an absolute blast. That was it was intense. It was fun. Um, I actually got to start because our line was really good. It was me, Chris Neal, and Zach Smith against the Canadians, and so we got to start um, against Pittsburgh the next round. So it was you know me. Uh, Neil and Smith and we were lined up across from I think it was like Crosby again Lynn Kunitz and I just remember <laughs> thinking like lining up across from again like going like yeah. what am I doing right now like why am I even on the ice it was the last time I was yeah. on the ice against in that series but yeah. uh yeah that was that was a ton of fun um favorite player growing up I had a few you know as Edmonton kid so when I was really little probably was Mark Messier um mm-hmm. dad always liked like the big physical players so and we're friends now so I, I haven't ever told them this but yeah. uh uh, like I love Louis DeBrusque when he played for Edmonton. Um, he was a ton of fun. And then it, and then it, um, you know, transitioned into a couple different players. Like love Doug Waite when he was here uh, in Edmonton. He was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Mary Lemieux uh, probably would have been after that. Um, like after Messier, Lemieux would have would have been the favorite for uh he was just he was too good and i didn't like pittsburgh like you know that was that was i was starting to come let's call it into my hockey awareness at that time like when you're seven eight nine ten years old and you're starting to really understand players and teams um so beyond edmonton you know it was like mark messier because he was edmonton um and then it was it was lemieux because he was just he was so good um he he probably would have been the other one but there's a there's a whole bunch yeah um yeah 
Yeah, that whole era, there was a yeah. lot of guys that were a lot of fun to watch. All right, Ben, do you have anything else? No, no, I think we've, we've taken up enough of your time, uh, Matt, so I just want to thank you again for, for agreeing to come on the pod and, and talk about uh, your days uh, playing playing with the Giants, so thanks again uh, for coming on. Yeah. yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Sorry for talking too much, so it's a bad oh, habit perfect. of mine. <laughs> You'd rather that than not enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, guys. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks again, Matt. Thank you. Thanks again to, to Matt Cassian for for joining us on the pond. Uh, we went with him for for about 45 minutes, which was yeah. m- more time than, than I thought we'd get with him. And, and you know, he, he's certainly not, a, not afraid of the microphone. Yeah, we told him it'd be about 20 to 30 minutes, and like you said, we went way past it, which is which is awesome. Um, he's very well-spoken. He seems like a really genuine guy. And, yeah, like I said before, it's really cool to get a former NHL player on the podcast. Um, I think that'll do a lot for us. It kind of gives us a bit more confidence, I think, going into going into future interviews and, and seeing who else we can get. And, yeah, that was fun. That was awesome. Yeah, so if you enjoyed this week's uh, episode of, of the pod, don't uh... – Forget to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get uh, your favorite podcasts, and uh, and leave us a, a review too because it, it helps with uh, the algorithms and, and all that. Uh, and don't uh, don't forget to to follow us on Twitter at uh, giant underscore thoughts. Uh, thanks again to the listeners uh, who tweeted us with questions for Matt. And just suggested that we, we get him on the pod because it was certainly an enjoyable conversation. Yep. I enjoyed I enjoyed myself. I'm excited to see who we get on next. And yep, until next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks.